back to basics here in the Bible. So we're preaching in this series, the way walking in the footsteps of Jesus. And which way do you think Jesus would go for disease (laughs) or for healing? (laughs) It's pretty obvious, right? Jesus is on the side of healing. In Mark's gospel alone, there are 18 healing stories and four summary stories. We have two of those healing stories here and one summary story. The two healing stories, the person with the unclean spirit and Jesus teaching, just his authority heals that person. And then there's Simon's mother-in-law and Without a word, Jesus takes her by the hand and lifts her up, and she's healed. Jesus is a healer. If you read the Gospels, it's very clear. Sometimes it's with a word. Sometimes it's without a word. Sometimes it's with a touch. Sometimes it's without a touch. Sometimes faith is evident. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's about the person. Sometimes it's about other people's faith. It's all different varieties. And sometimes it's about physical healing. Sometimes it's mental healing, spiritual healing, healing of memories, the healing that comes in forgiveness. But Jesus' aim was to restore us to right relationship with God and with one another, to be whole, holy people, wholesome, to reconnect us with God and others. We don't like some of this language in the story about a a person with an unclean spirit or being possessed by demons. Ooh, we don't like this, right? Um, But remember that people back in that time, they didn't have the language or the understanding that we have. So perhaps a person might suffer from epilepsy, let's say, and have a fit. Or let's say that they were bipolar and had a manic episode. In in my reflection group uh, is actually Jonathan was telling us about a friend of his who came to church one day and had a manic episode and came to the front of the church and came to the foot of the cross and started taking off his clothes. Hasn't happened to me yet. Uh, I mean, there have been other times, I mean, that, you know, that there's been things like that, you know, similar where there's been some upset in worship. It's funny how worship sometimes brings that out. Uh, That congregation dealt with it and they dealt with that young man. And the young man realized, hey, I need to take care of something here. It was a turning point in his life, a turning towards the way of, of healing. And don't dismiss this demonic language too quickly here. My suspicion is that some of us know about being possessed by a craving for caffeine or sugar or alcohol or another drug or attention or money, greed, our anxiety, or here's a great one around uh, me, holding on to an old hurt, you know, just, just tending that bruise, just keep poking on it and just keeping that alive so that, you know, Jesus never gets a chance to touch that. Um, I think we can still be possessed these days by demonic powers. I'm glad that in the church, there is still a ritual for exorcism that we need to call upon another power and say, I can't deal with this by myself. I need some, some help from a higher power than me. Jesus comes across as a healer. If you read 
the Gospels. The way of Jesus is the way of healing. I love the passage, how it ends in that summary statement. They were bringing all people with him, all various kinds of diseases, many, many people. The whole city was gathered around. Uh, nothing was beyond Jesus' touch as healer. He's acting in, in the same role as the God of the Old Testament. One of the classic uh, passages is from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, who heals all your iniquities. Pardon me, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. It is that God that we worship and follow. And yet I still have a lot of mystery in me when it comes to disease and healing. This past week, one of my friends sent me an article from the New York Times written by a 35-year-old woman named Kate Bowler. She had uh, just received a couple of months ago a phone call from her doctor's office and the person on the phone said, you have stage four stomach cancer. <laughs> she thought it was just some gastro problem, but no, it was, it was that scary word cancer. Kate writes, she said, I found this highly ironic since I had just finished a book called Blessed. I, I didn't tell you that Kate serves at Duke Divinity School on the staff there, the seminary, our Methodist seminary in uh, North Carolina. And she had just done this study of um, the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel says, you know, if you just hold the right faith, then God's going to bless you with health and wealth. Right? God's great sense of humor, right? She has this, this cancer. She said, I had gone to every faith kind of healing church, you know, the ones with the flowing river down in the sanctuary and the glass cathedral and, the, you know, the golden eagle and, you know, people throwing away crutches and stuff. And she said, here it is that I have, have cancer. When she spread the news to her friends, please play with me just a little bit here. She said, my friends Googled the hell out of it. And they said, um, have you tried this kale salad? <laughs> you, know, you know, have you tried this exercise program? Or, you know, you need to go to this person, you know, see this specialist, you know, go to this particular hospital. We, she said what she learned in all of this is that as Americans, we have an addiction to being in control. We try to pretend that we can manage this. You know, if we just got some more information, found the right person, the right silver bullet, you know, we can make all of these diseases go away. We have a real hard time dealing with the mystery of disease and, and healing. It's a funny thing, just last month in my family systems class, this is my continuing education thing, it was on this very subject. And one of the things we learned in our class was that it is true that practicing these spiritual disciplines we do in the church, prayer, meditation, Bible study, worship, have a physical effect, a positive physical effect. Your blood pressure can lower. Your heart respiration, uh, yes, your heart rate will go down. Your, your respiratory rate will go down. Your uh, metabolism rate will, will go down. You can develop a greater tolerance for pain. You, you can measure this. And it, there's a rewiring us when we practice these spiritual disciplines. 
Um, one of the persons was quoted was Hippocrates. You've ever heard of him, Hippocrates? Something about the Hippocratic Oath, something like that. Back in the, what is that, 4th century BC, uh, something like that, he said, in his practice of medicine, he found that some patients recovered simply because they had a good relationship with their physician, right? That they had some expectation, the placebo effect, that, that this was going to be to them some good. There was another um, doctor about that time who the these, I almost got it that time, uh, who said during the plague that there were some people who learned that they had gotten the plague would simply give up and die. It's the opposite of the placebo effect. They would just give up. There is something to be said for us pursuing this life of faith in the practices that we do here and stacking the odds in our favor. And yet we live with this great mystery because it doesn't always happen that just because we have faith that we get well. Murray Bowen, who's the, who's the, the guru, uh, the originator of this family systems kind of understanding. He had a very challenging kind of concept. I didn't like it. Maybe you won't like it either. He said, what we need to do is to get rid of the why question. Why did this happen? Why did this happen to me? Why did I get this disease? He said, when we ask the why question, we have premature closure. We cut off a lot of other options. He said, we, there's always more to learn. There's always more to explore. We need to ask questions about when, where, and especially Pastor Lynn, if you hang around me, it's the how question. How do I cope with this disease? How do I cope with this situation? And here's the biggest question of all, who? Who do I turn to in the midst of this? I believe that Jesus wants us to be well in bodies, minds, spirits, memories, relationships. I believe in Jesus as the healer, not just in Capernaum a long time ago, but still today. My suspicion is that all of us need healing. Just as I was asking the kids here and asking you, you all have something that you would like for Jesus to touch. We all do. I think we need to embrace the mystery <laughs> And say, like those people did, we are amazed at this. We're astounded. One of the words in Greek for it is they were out of their minds. <laughs> they couldn't explain it. It was that kind of mystery. We need to be in that position sometimes and just say, God, help me. How, how can I get through this? I turn to you. You're the who who helps me get through this. I'm glad that today there's more emphasis upon wellness than there is upon sickness. I'm glad today that there's more interdisciplinary cooperation and that we're not segmented off and that we try to look at people as, as whole people and work together as a team. I'm glad that we in the church have a role to play and that we are that basic level, just like it said in the Bible, where we invite the family to be the first physicians. Today, we're going to dedicate some Stephen ministers who are engaging in this ministry of, of listening and caring, of walking with people in, in hard situations. Today, we're going to invite you to pray with those Stephen ministers. That's why we have the altar rails and kneeling rails up here. At the close of this service, you may want to come and pray. 
It doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means you want to live into that mystery. Pastor Lisa and I will have oil and we'll be happy to anoint you and to pray with you. We're getting down to the basics here again about coming to the family and asking for prayer. Which way will you go? I, I believe very sincerely that you don't want to go the way of disease, dis-ease. You want to go the way of healing. That's the way that Jesus goes. I do believe that Jesus wants us to be well in our bodies, our minds, our spirits, our memories, and our relationships. That's the good news I have to share with you today. Amen. If those who are engaged in the Stephen ministry would come forward at this time, Stephen ministers get at least 50 hours of training. It's in listening. It's in caring. They get continuing education along the way. Each Stephen minister has but one care receiver. It's a very uh, intimate relationship, very close, and it's a confidential one. I'm the one that assigns the Stephen minister to the care receiver. And Today, we're recognizing uh, Jerry and Robert here who are undergoing this training right now. And we have Nancy, who has already been a Stephen minister, Jerry and Leanne here. And we have Mary Lou, who's a Stephen leader like I am, who offer general oversight. To Robert and, and Jerry, I have a question for you. Will you embrace the training provided so that God may use your spiritual gifts to bring about more healing in this congregation. Very good. Congregation, I hope that you would respond positively to these who've offered themselves in this ministry. Your response, I hope, will be, we will. Will you surround these being called to Stephen ministry with your prayers and support? Amen. Good. Friends, we lay hands, especially on Robert and Jerry here. Yes. Yes. And we pray. O loving God, as your chosen people, holy and dearly loved by you, we ask for your guidance and blessing upon our Stephen ministry. We pray for our Stephen leaders that they may be clothed with compassion, kindness, humility, 